Qualified hosts. Happy 2022, everyone. Happy 2022. We're out here living, surviving in this year of 2022, our Lord. <laughs> Things are looking dismal, but we're doing pretty it bad. pretty bad. Yep. We have a new microphone. Yes. You might have noticed the, the highly improved quality. Um, thank you so much for to Bridget's friends who <laughs> gifted her this. <laughs> Thank you to my friends. I won't put you on blast, but just know you're loved. And thank you for financially supporting my nonsense. Um, It's great to have people that believe in you for some reason. Um, So that's good. Um, I wanted to start out saying, asking, how are you? How was your your break? I'm literally going to start crying. (laughs) Was it so fun? No, it was a nightmare. We both had kind of nightmare scenarios happen. Truly, yeah, I so think yours bad. is kind of worse though. Yeah, so I'll tell my trauma, then you tell yours. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to New Jersey, where I'm from, and I arrived. My parents uh, are currently displaced because of climate change, and um, it just, you know bad luck. And so <laughs> they're currently uh, living in a uh, rental home and the home is very small. So I was kind of staying in like close quarters, which is fine. You know, um, I'm there to be with my parents, but then uh, just COVID started popping up all over the place. It was like my sister's husband, who's a teacher got exposed. And then my mom was babysitting, so then my niece probably got exposed, and then and then my sister across the country, like she had potential exposure. So it was just like I felt like a kind of like a COVID refugee where I was running around. <laughs> At one point, my mom like called me on the way home from babysitting my niece, and she was like, "And listeners, I have not gotten COVID yet in the two years we've been in this debacle." I've been trying really hard to avoid it because knowing my luck, I would have like no sense of smell, no taste. I would have the worst circumstances you could think of, except, well, there's death, but I think I would have just like the worst, the worst of it. Knock on wood. Um, So I've been trying to avoid COVID as we all are. And also just like, you know, doing my part to not impact the um, medical industrial complex. Um, but basically, uh, my mom like called me and was like, I'm on my way home. Um, but I have bad news. Like there's a chance that I was exposed. So I literally started losing my mind. I was screaming at the top of my lungs, running around this little apartment, just throwing anything I could find that was mine into my suitcase and screaming. And my dad was like, what's going on? And I was like, the COVID's not going to catch me. And I felt like it was like this like elusive monster I've like put off for years. And now it was like on my Knocking doorstop. On door. Like, yeah. I'm here. I'm here. Um, but yeah, it was fine. My mom didn't get COVID. Um, we got to spend Christmas together. But yeah, it was a weird it was a weird uh, year this year, and I hated it. Yeah. It was it was a shit holiday. It is bad. So this was my first. So I'm from Florida, and this was my first time going home since the the panini started. And I was excited to go home. I hadn't seen. There's a lot of babies in my family that I hadn't seen since they were like born, basically. Um, yeah. So lots of babies that I wanted to see. I was very excited. We drove down and. Um, Stephen, Wait, um, how many years have you not seen your family? Since the pandemic started, like two years ago. That's so hard. Yeah, because they're in Florida. So I'm like, I'm like, my life is like worth living. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to go to Florida in a panini press. Yeah. Um, and so we were driving down and then Stephen's like, my throat got a bit of a tickle. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. 
COVID denier or it doesn't exist for me. Um, so we got there and we immediately got tested, obviously. Mm-hmm. And turns out baby boy had COVID. Oh, um, he came no. out positive. I came out negative. I, I'm still negative. Um, much like Bridget, I also um, have not gotten COVID this entire time. Um, knock on wood. And um, so, yeah, he was positive, and that kind of derailed our entire beautiful Florida vacation. We didn't end up still going to the beach, but I wasn't able to see the rest of my family, which is my immediate family, basically. Um, and Christmas is like a really big holiday for my family, and I was like super excited. First time home in a long time, blah, blah, blah. So we couldn't hang out with any of them, especially because there's um, there's a baby in my family that's like very immunocompromised, like... Like she goes to like she goes to a hospital if she gets like a calm cold. Like it's like not we don't like play around with that like at all. Yeah. Um. And so we weren't able to really see any of them even because they were hosting. And so like anyone who's going to be in contact, you heard it here first, folks. We care about babies. We do care about babies. Um. (laughs) Not fetuses. Different. I'm gonna make that clear. Yeah, so we did get to still go to the beach and all that, but we didn't see the rest of the family, obviously. Um, And we had to extend our trip um, to follow quarantine, um, even though the CDC says now that it's five days based on no science and just, you know, they want to be capitalists. (laughs) Like, um, we still did the the full 10 days. We thought that was appropriate. Um, We drove back and I'm still I'm still negative to this day. Um, I've been negative, and I'm going to stay negative. After making out hardcore with your boyfriend, you're still negative? Yeah. We actually, um, don't tell my mom this. Is she going to listen to the podcast? I don't think she is. (laughs) Okay, so she's giving me hand signals showing two fingers fucking each other. Oh, my God. (laughs) So they had sex. Oh, my God. They had sex. (laughs) Yeah, and even after that, I'm I'm still negative. So I, I keep saying there's something about me. I don't know if it's like biological or just like vibes, but like I'm like certainly not going to COVID like today or tomorrow. So. It's your Latina blood, my spicy Latina blood. Yeah, eugenics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, but the opposite way. <laughs> um, great. Fabulous. Okay, so... Oh, I actually wanted to talk about... Okay, so I have actually one theory that I wanted to share at the top of the show. Um, We're going to have a new segment when I give Bridget my theories, because I have a lot of them. Um, And there's going to be another theory in this episode, but I think this one really fits into this first segment. So my theory, and this is easily disprovable, um, I could probably disprove it myself, but my theory is that only people with Android phones get COVID. Hmm. Okay. Can you elaborate further? Android phone users are, they don't Mm. like to be a part of the pack. They don't want to wear a mask. They don't want to do all this. They don't want to listen to common sense reviews, you know, things that are uh, peer edited. They just want to like do their own things, have their own little weird widgets. And I just think that like, if we look, if we did a study of Android users, you will find that all of them have. Okay, well, this feels a little classist, this argument. Oh, no. So the the folks that aren't buying into Daddy Steve Jobs' vision of controlling our world through technology, uh-huh. they're, um, you know... I, I think, don't make the rules. I'm just here to say the theories. Could, could there be possibly a connection that maybe, like, people go for Android because it's more affordable... And also, possibly, those people are maybe in, like, lower-wage jobs. I couldn't possibly tell you how much Android phones cost. Okay. I feel like they're probably less than (laughs) iPhones. (laughs) I think you're right. (laughs) I mean, I'm personally... I embrace a little bit of classism because Mm. when I do get... You heard it here first. (laughs) Bridget embraces a little bit of classism. (laughs) When I get a green bubble, I do get a little turned off. I am a little bit like, oh, I didn't ask for that. Don't come at me with your green bubble. I did not ask for this aesthetic to be thrust upon me. 
I cannot now react with whatever emoji that I want to react to your text. And if I do, it's going to get weird. And it's going to say, like, Bridget Winkler gave a heart to the person. (laughs) Just by the way, if you hear a dog whining in the background that seems like he's being literally tortured, he's actually being um, not tortured at all and is very comfortable in his crate and has been asked to stay in my room just for a second. So that's what that is. We're at Anna's house, and it's, like, basically a zoo here. There's, like, 17 cats and 17 dogs. No, just the one dog, Used to be a hamster. Yeah, there was a hamster. Rest in peace. We talked about how she can't get a new one because um, hamsters are trauma for me. I will get one. Well, I'll get one once I move in with uh, my partner. Well, I won't be visiting because of the hamster. And if I do visit, you have to put a sheet over the hamster's cage. Because... What was it? You killed your hamster or something? No, I didn't kill my hamster. Uh, when I was a child, I had a hamster. Have you told the story on the podcast before? I don't believe so. Oh. I had a hamster named Winky because my last name is Winkler. And I'm the youngest of four kids and we were all very excited about our hamster having babies. And then we all went and had breakfast as a family <laughs> in the next and room. And the hamster also had breakfast. <laughs> we came back. And the babies were gone. And we were like, Mom, where's the babies? It turns yeah. out Winky ate all of her children. Yeah, they do that. Especially it was gross. Yeah, it was really gross. Disturbed me. Probably one of my first memories. Um, Yeah, that's my story. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so back to my theory. Um. So, um, this segment is basically going to be, like, going forward where Anna just, like, brings complete nonsense to me, mm-hmm. and then I disprove it using yeah. just basic logic. Right. Do you want to listen to my next theory? If you want to do two in one, let's do it. Okay. My next theory, and this one I think I can very easily prove, and I can actually do a physical demonstration. Okay. I think that everyone's nostrils are perfectly sized. slightly bigger. So I think there's something to be said about the index finger to nostril ratio. What if a finger was too big for a person's nostril? It wouldn't happen. It hasn't <laughs> happened. So you're saying God won't give you more than you can handle. Exactly. You're If you've got a booger up there, you're going to have the, the right size the right finger, finger to pick it out. The right index. Okay, I mean, I don't, I don't really want to get... <laughs> This I feels like it could go. I don't know what the repercussions are, you know, of your statements, right? Yeah, well, that's the point of this podcast, right? Yeah, I'm just gonna let that sit, yeah. and you, listeners, but email but- us in, send us pictures, <laughs> DM us on Instagram, DM me on Instagram, show me a picture of your index finger and your nostril. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna find out if you can if you can disprove it. I would like to actually see. The person whose nostril is too small for their finger. <laughs> That's what I want. So if you're that person. No, what I would like is like a comical gap between the index finger and the end of the nostril. Yeah. Um, on this topic, how do you feel about nose picking? I feel good about it. I think we should normalize it. I agree. Because sometimes there's stuff out my nose and I feel really weird about trying to get it out. And then it's just like really uncomfortable. And then you're kind of like. I, like, flare my nostrils a little bit, trying to, like, breathe. Yeah, to get it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, have always embraced nose picking publicly in my life. And my older siblings are always yelling at me and saying, like, Bridget's picking her nose, like, my whole life. But my whole response to them was always, you guys do it, too. I'm just not afraid to do it in public. Yeah. I'm not living a You're embracing your truth. Exactly. I'm being And I think authentic. that's very brave. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So I, we don't shame nose picking on this podcast. We embrace it. We embrace authenticity. Hey listeners, it's Priya again from Holler Health Justice asking for your support. 
where a BIPOC and queer-led racial, economic, and reproductive justice abortion fund based out of West Virginia. We help Appalachians pay for the abortions that they deserve, even if that means also paying for travel expenses or lost wages. So please go to hollerhealthjustice.org to donate, check out our merch, and read about our amazing work. Thank you. Moving on to our repro issue of the week. So this isn't necessarily a repro issue. Um, This is more, I guess it could kind of be a repro issue, but it also could have massive repercussions for the entire nation and the future of the nation. Um, So we got news today that Justice Breyer has apparently tested positive on a rapid tests for COVID. Was so, it in a false positive? I'm going to read the exact the exact tweet with the information update. Or false. Stephen Breyer received, this is from SCOTUS blog, Stephen Breyer received a false positive COVID test this morning. SCOTUS says, a second rapid test was negative and he later received a negative result from a PCR test this morning. A PCR test he took yesterday was also negative. Breyer participated in today's argument remotely. Now, one, scary. I'm I'm yeah. scared. Like, that is scary. Um, and two, I am probably the only Justice Stephen Breyer apologist um, in the repro movement that you'll ever meet. And I... And now firmly, after getting this push notification today, I'm firmly on the side of Justice Breyer. It's time to retire. Maybe let's back up and explain to folks like why Justice Breyer is such a unlikable character in the repro world. Okay. I wouldn't describe him as unlikable. He's like, I mean, he does like the bare minimum sometimes like. I'm sorry. us in a hole. No, he does not. The bare minimum? Have you read Whole Woman's Health versus Hellerstedt? No. Have you? Not recently. Have you read June Medical? Do I look like I read? (laughs) Okay, folks. This is why I am a Justice Breyer apologist. So, a lot of people on the left and even the center, like even liberals, feel as though Justice Breyer needs to retire because we are all still traumatized and sc- and scarred from the experience of Justice RBG dying mm-hmm. when Trump was still in office and then the Republican Party, Mitch McConnell, like having us all deep throat Amy Coney Barrett's nomination and confirmation within like seven days, basically. Um, in, like, the last gasping breath of the Trump administration. And now we have this young demon hoe on the Supreme Court for the rest <laughs> of eternity, I guess. Because um, she's extremely young. She's very young. She looks sprightly. <sighs> she looks... She's definitely, like, I don't know. I feel like she's the kind of person that does, like, a five-mile run in the morning. Like, at four in the morning. Yeah, and she has, like, a hundred kids. So it's, right. like... You gotta have some some Same extra enough. pep in your step. Yeah. I know my depressed ass could never handle that. No, 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 no. So she, she's probably like mentally stable, but like also truly evil. Right. So we've got that. Remember, this is the person who said like, "Well, you know, why don't we just?" Why can't we just say that people can just like leave their babies on fire at like fire stations if they like don't want right. to. Like, basically, she was just saying, like, oh, giving birth, no big deal. Let's just force it upon everyone in the nation. It's fine. The adoption system, the foster care system is really good right now. So <laughs> let's just go ahead and do that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that we're all very there's a there's a lot of discourse back and forth over whether or not RBG should have retired. I personally think maybe she should have. Um mm-hmm. Before the Trump administration came into power, I mean, there's also a lot of fabulous footnotes, 
passive aggression that only RBG can do that we now have for the rest of our lives um, from the time that she spent during the Trump administration. But I think like weighing the pros and cons, it would have been better to have her replaced before uh, the Trump administration came in. But you know what? That was shocking to all of us, wasn't it? Yeah. It was shocking to all of us. I don't think she could have really foreseen that. I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I also feel like I understand, like, people's criticism of justices, like, choosing to retire or not. Like, I understand that sort of politically, but I think that it kind of runs against at least the impression that, like, justices are supposed to be these, like, neutral arbiters of, like, whatever. And, like, we know that's, like, not true, but I, like, I sort of understand, like, if you're someone who, like, deeply believes in that system, which, like, you have to be, I think, to be a fucking Supreme Court justice, like that you're not going to be as, like, it's not going to be as clear-cut to you, sort of, like, the political ramification. Yeah, I think, like, it's tough because there's, like, one part of me that's, like, I want my justices to be, like, neutral arbiters of the law. I want them to be, like, not scheduling their retirement around Mm -hmm. when somebody is going, depending on who's in office, like, shout-out Kennedy. Yeah, like, that shouldn't be... (laughs) That shouldn't be, like, what it is, and, like, we shouldn't, like, the way that that it was framed, it's, like, we shouldn't have liberal and conservative judges. It should just be, like, judges. Like, I don't know. Like, but the reality of the situation yeah. is that we do, right. you know? And it's, like, the other side is hardcore playing the yeah, courts. Like, absolutely. we literally have a packed judiciary right now from the Trump administration that's going to impact generations of Americans, and it's scary. It's fucking scary, and it's bad, and it's just, like, a really terrible... We're, we're just... Our kids' kids are going to feel the ramifications. Our kids' kids' kids are going to feel the ramifications of, like, this trump pact judiciary. And so I think, like, I'm of two minds of it. Like, of course I want, you know, that uh, it to be, like, this great higher ideals of our Constitution yeah. and, and our judiciary is just totally unbiased, but that's just actually not the reality that we live in. Yeah. And I... It actually forces judges who, like, I think Justice Breyer isn't necessarily, like, a quote-unquote liberal judge, but it forces those people who aren't super, super, like, extremists, like, you know, Alito and Thomas and Amy Coney Barrett and Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. It, it makes those people who are a little bit more centrist, like, appear to be more right-wing mm-hmm. or more, more liberal. More liberal. More, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so I do think that, you know, how old is Justice Breyer right now? She's got to be 70-something, no? Um, 83. Like, oh, girl. No. Girl. Girl, go get your socks on. Sit in your recliner. Watch some TV. Eat some snacks. And relax. Relax. Go home to your three children. I'm on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> So the reason I'm a Justice Breyer apologist is because if I'm thinking about things from literally, I'm sure he has like absolute garbage cases that I honestly, I, part of me is like just ignorant of them. And then the other part of me doesn't even want to look because I don't want to taint my like, my like idealized vision of like (laughs) what he has done. But I do think that like when it comes to repro cases, he has been super integral, like whole woman's health. He has been holding it down. Um, he really has been holding it down. Like he took the situation of Casey where we were placed, we were given the undue burden standard and he created like a balancing test in whole woman's health where it's like, let's look at this logically. Like he is very much like a statistics queen. He mm-hmm. loves evidence. He loves statistics. He has been called pragmatic Ooh. by wikipedia.org. Yeah. So he's like, let's just look at like, Let's just cut through the bullshit. I'm sorry if there's a law that's stopping from like everybody in the freaking country from or everybody in one region from getting an abortion because of like some stupid requirement that the hallway be a little bit wider. Like logically, it just makes sense for that to just not be a law that we uphold because it's an undue burden on a on abortion access. Like if we're weighing the pros and the cons of like this law, obviously we shouldn't uphold it. And then that structure, like, when June Medical came up and it was the exact same question of law that was considered in Whole Woman's Health, which was whether or not providers 
need to get um, like hospital admitting privileges Mm -hmm. in order to hospital admitting privileges in order to be like a practicing provider. Yeah. Within the um, within a state. That same exact question of law that was already decided in Whole Woman's Health came up in June Medical. And it was just totally bizarre that they decided to, like, rehear that same question of law. Because it was, like, the same exact, like, model bill. Like, the same exact thing. Literally, the the people in um, Louisiana that that were... (laughs) That passed... The law that was considered in um, in Whole Woman's Health or in June Medical, like on the floor of the, I guess, like Louisiana state legislature, they said like, well, we saw what this HB2 law did in Texas and it caused all these clinics to shut down. So if we adopt it in our own state, it'll do the same exact thing. Like I thought it was iconic during the June Medical oral arguments on March 4th. 2020 before shit hit the fan with COVID basically Breyer was like groaning on (laughs) the stand. He was like, we're hearing this again. Like what the (laughs) hell is going on here? Like that was his vibe the entire time. Like, why are we doing this again? And just like, I love that about him. And so I have said in the past that like, as long as repro rights are going to be attacked in the courts. I do want Justice Breyer there. But now that I got this push notification that he possibly had COVID, it scared the shit out of me. And I'm like, actually pack it in, babes. We gotta go. We gotta find somebody else. Yeah. Um, No, I agree. I think he should pack it in. I saw on his wikipedia.org page that he went on the, um, what was it? Not the Today Show? No, not the Today Show. He went on the Late Show in 2021 and he talked about um sba and like how he didn't want to retire yeah i mean white men are just gonna cling on to that power man as long as they can (laughs) have you come across any bad cases that he has um i'm looking at like the other issue area i'm prepared to answer to my bad standing of him (laughs) But I'm also, like him, logical. It's like, sir... Didn't he ask a weird question uh, the oral arguments for... Um, yeah, wasn't he basically like, oh, a 15-week ban isn't too bad. Right, guys? Is that him? No, that was Justice Roberts. Oh, I get those guys mixed up. I mean, they sound like exactly the same. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think that I have to agree, and I think that... He also just sounds so over it. Yeah. In every single oral argument, he just is like groaning. He's, tired. he's like, ah, I'm like, he's like ornery and like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, maybe it's time for him to actually step down. Yeah. Especially if like he gets COVID and then fucking dies up and out of nowhere. It's like, either you got to die now or you have to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> die on your own time, right? <laughs> Get that company time. I think a, a judge, a justice... How much do justices make, by the way? I have no idea. I think a justice that retires, like, that's a good look. Yeah. No, I like that. It's pragmatic. Yeah. Okay, so chief justices make $267,000. And associate justices make $255,000. That's wild. That's crazy. But I, and they also have, like, book deals and stuff, you know? That's yeah. probably where the real money goes. I mean, RBG... She's like every documentary, books, like shirts, merch, earrings, like necklaces, <laughs> fucking sweaters, little dolls that looked like her <laughs> in like every bookstore. I don't know if she exactly got like royalties for all those items, but I'm curious if she had like some type of like brand rights to her yeah. like name and whatever use of personhood. Interesting. Net worth, her net worth was $4 million. So it's actually not that high. It's actually, yeah. I mean, it's a lot. It's, it's in the mills. Why is she on celebritynetworth.com? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how do you feel? So you, do you want Briar to retire? I think that'd be good. I mean, I just feel like we need to spice it up in the court. We need to get some, some young, like, 
yeah. pro-abortion, pro, like, I don't know, like, rights person. But then yeah. sometimes I think it's like, does do we need the a white man to whisper white manness to the other? I don't think they will listen regardless. You don't? I don't think they care. Yeah. I don't think they care at all. I mean, it's not reflected in the decisions. No. That they care. So it doesn't really matter who's there. We should probably just get someone who's like... We should pack the... I agree. You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Another idea that I had was to... Yeah, maybe like... Maybe like some light... I don't know. I think there has to be some kind of like hacker or someone out there that can like look into people's like deep dark past and like blackmail them. I mean, my job for... I went to law school was like not blackmail, but we would like find things out about judges past. Oh yeah. And like bring it to light. Yeah. I mean, the problem is like, I mean, we kind of did that too for like the Amy Coney Barrett stuff. Oh yeah. That didn't help. No. I mean, same thing with Neil Gorsuch. We had his history of like not protecting civil liberties, the frozen trucker case and like all of the people that he fucked over when he was, in, like, the lower courts when he was the circuit yeah. court judge, we had, I mean, look what happened with Kavanaugh. Yeah. That was in, that was just yeah. wild. Nobody cared. I mean, people cared, but nobody, like, in charge. He's, like, literally an incredibly accused racist, or rapist and, and, racist. and racist, and he still was confirmed. Yeah. I also have a theory that Justice Kavanaugh and Ted Cruz are actually the same person. I don't know if that, like, 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 look at a picture of Ted. They do not look alike. Look at Ted Cruz and tell me that's not Justice Kavanaugh. No. Ted Cruz is truly the most hideous person I've ever seen. And what is that? (laughs) What is that? This is Ted Cruz, shaved beard. We're looking at a picture of Kavanaugh right now when he made that really hideous crybaby face. That is truly the same person. <laughs> okay, maybe you can't tell me. something there. They literally just flipped over the hair. Yeah. But when he was on the... When he was, like, testifying and he was like, I like beer! <laughs> I like beer! Who cares if I like beer? Let me just like beer! And then he was, like, crying. Do you like, remember his tantrum? It was actually oh wild. Wait. It was insane. Okay, so we pulled up a clip of Kavanaugh screaming <laughs> about how he likes beer um, <laughs> during a job interview for the highest court in our land. <laughs> First of all... That's honestly so relatable. <laughs> he really girl-bossed. Yeah. He girl-bossed as close as you could get to the sun. His face, <laughs> first of all, looks wild it's already rashed up looking um he's ready to pounce he looks like he's gonna cry (laughs) he is he does cry he does being intoxicated at a party did you consume alcohol during your high school years yes we drank beer uh my friends and i boys and girls boys and girls drank beer liked beer still like beer drank beer. The drinking age, as I noted, was 18, so the seniors were legal. Senior year in high school, people were legal to drink, and we drank, yeah, we drank beer. And I said, sometimes sometimes probably had too many beers, and sometimes other people had too many beers. <laughs> we drank beer. We liked beer. We liked beer. Okay, okay, beer, beer, beer. Too many beers. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, whatever the chart says. Uh, I'm blood alcohol chart. Oh, no. I want to see him crying. Yeah, me too. Screaming and crying. (laughs) Shitting and pooping. You know that TikTok? I I just searched Kavanaugh, (laughs) screaming, crying, shitting, and pooping. (laughs) This whole two-week effort has been a calculated and orchestrated political hit. Oh. Fueled with apparent pent-up anger about President Trump in the 2016... I want to see him at this peak is screen. A I will not be intimidated. If this is a circus. Process. You've tried hard. You've given it your all. <laughs> no one can question your effort. You're coordinated and well 
concerted effort to destroy my good name. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> if I was in a job interview and they asked me about like my previous performance or something, and like they're like, you know, you did this, this, and that. Your coordinated effort <laughs> to disgrace my family's name. My good name. My good name. I like beer. <laughs> We drink beer. Boys and girls together drink beer. And destroy my family. Will not drive me out. The vile threats of violence against my family. I don't think will that. Not drive me out. You may defeat me in the final vote, but you'll never get me to quit. Quit what? I'm not questioning that Dr. Ford may have been sexually abused oh. anyone. That's not who I am, Ford, and her family. I want to see the scream. Oh, here comes the tears. tears. Here's tears. the tears. I love when women cry. said to Ashley, we should pray for the woman. It's <laughs> a lot of wisdom from a 10-year-old. We don't give a shit what your kid said, all right? We mean, we mean no ill will. <laughs> he looks like he has peanut butter in his mouth. <laughs> <sighs> well, I just, my next job interview, I'm going to really pull from from, <laughs> from his questioning because... I just think the way that he just gaslit everybody in that room. Yeah, and I think it's interesting how he was like, I, he was coming from the place of like, he deserves this. Mm -hmm. Like, this is something that he's entitled to. And how dare. shitting on his party. Yeah, like, how dare we question his candidacy or his. The whole point. You have like. That's a the process, babe. Yeah. That are about questioning your ability to be on this court. Like, that's literally, like, they spent months, like, betting you, like, doing all this stuff. Like, it's like, that's literally what they have to do. Well, guess what? If, <laughs> if it were up to me uh, screaming about how you like beer and crying like you have a lump of <laughs> peanut butter in your fucking mouth, you would not be qualified. We're getting a little carried away with the sound effects. You don't like the shade button? I really like it a lot. This is a button. It's literally just shadebutton.com. And you can just click the shade button when someone says something shady. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's get back on track here. Um, So we both agree. Briar, retire. It rhymes. And... Hashtag Briar, retire. Hashtag Briar, retire. Briar, retire. Briar, retire. Briar, retire. Briar, retire. segment the pop culture segment um i'll be honest um like always i don't know what the hell is going on in the world bridget also seems to not really know what's going on but she has something else that she really wanted to get to our listeners and i think it's a really important message yeah so um this week i got back to dc after a traumatizing um holiday that we discussed and Basically, was so freaked out about this new uh, surge. Yeah. Of I have some stats actually. You want to hear my? Uh, yeah, stats? I'd love to hear them. Um. So in the U.S., there have been 1.3 million new cases. I don't know from when of COVID. Right. I think this year. That's so. I don't. I, I don't know. I'll. You know. It's a lot of them. That's really scary. It's really bad. Um. There's a surge of children being hospitalized. Like nationwide, oh there's as we have experienced here in DC, there's shortages of test kits. Biden said that they plan to send 500 million tests for free at some point soon, so that's fine. Um, I one, actually saw something about that yeah. that it would be requiring it would if it's something like your health insurance provider would be required to like help fund eight or something tests yeah. a week. So for a month, January fifteenth. Individuals with private insurance are um, are covered for up to eight um, over-the-counter at-home tests. Yeah, but how much money? The whole... I think they have to cover all of it. I could be extremely wrong. 
but I'm pretty sure they have to cover all of it. That's, I guess, a good thing, but it's like, why wouldn't you just not even get involved with insurance and just send them out to everyone? Well, it's, Bridget, I don't know if you know about our healthcare. (laughs) (laughs) You mean the bane of my existence? Yeah, so there's all these private, public, and then all these regs that try to tell everybody what to do, but there's no, I don't know, universal healthcare system, Mm. and so there's all these kind of, like, workarounds and blah, blah, blah. So I think this is kind of uh, putting a Band-Aid on the um, gaping butthole <laughs> that is America's healthcare system. Because also, I've been seeing a lot of TikToks where, like, people in other countries are like, I don't understand what you mean that, like, you can't afford the at-home test. <laughs> like, I truly, like, I don't. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, so my brother works at uh, Walgreens. And, okay, first off, he's the funniest kid in the world. He, he was talking about his friend Jack, who also works at Walgreens, mm-hmm. and his friend was like, oh, where's Jack? And he was like, um, oh, I think he's playing uh, Walgreens Simulator. What's that? That's that's the joke. Like, he's, he was at Walgreens work. And he said that he was at Walgreens. <laughs> that's very I thought cute. that was so funny. I died. And But anyways, he was telling me that, like, they were running out of kits, and now all they have, like, available, because there's there are a couple of tiers of tests or whatever, and, like, some of them are, like, 20 bucks, some of them are, like, 50 and there's another one that's, like, $108 or whatever. He was like, we're all out of the 20 and $40 ones. All we have now is $108 ones. And it's like, who the heck is affording $108 fucking swabs? <laughs> I truly don't know. And it's... I saw this tweet of somebody's, like, experience with what they were dealing with, with just, like, having to... Here, I'll read it to you. It's a New York Times... um, It's, like, a clip from a New York Times article that somebody tweeted. The uh, Twitter account is WSBGNL, and are at WSBGNL. They just, like, took a screenshot of this part of the article, and it says, Jenna Zittimer... 25 said that her family of five in Westchester, New York has spent around $680 on rapid tests in recent months. It's pretty crazy, especially since that's well over half of a paycheck for me, said Ms. Zittimer, a research specialist. It feels like something we need to start budgeting for every month now, like groceries or utilities. For my family, not having access to testing could mean exposing multiple, several severely immunocompromised people to COVID-19. That basically makes it life or death. Yeah. And then you see, like, tweets from, or, like, just, like, online activities from people in other countries who, like, they come home to, like, just packages of free tests just sitting outside their door. It's like, why why are we so ass backwards Mm. when it comes to public health? Yeah. It's absolutely absurd. And, like, it's why we're, like, in this mess. It's, like, the CDC recently was, like, don't worry, just quarantine for five days so you can go back to work, hose. And then no tests are available, sorry. And, like, we're not going to really talk about how Omicron is just, like, just going berserk. Like, literally, like, most people that I know have, have gotten COVID over the last, like, month and a half or, like... Someone close to them. Yes. I know so many people who have yeah. gotten it. Yeah. It's crazy, too, because it's like the whole, the CDC coming out and saying that, like, you only need five days is just wild because it's like, first of all, people are still symptomatic after five days. Mm-hmm. Like, they're still testing positive on tests. And then, like, they're then being, especially if they're, like, low-wage workers without workplace protections, they're forced to come back into work or potentially lose their jobs. So then they're coming into work while sick, while not feeling well, potentially exposing their coworkers to that who are also low-wage workers without protections or without, you know, the extra funds to be able to take care of themselves if they lose their jobs or have to take time off. And then all the people who are coming into that place, which is usually, like, in service positions, so that's a lot of people. And then you think about, like, one that's just, like, not logically good for public health yeah. health reasons. And then it's also like people deserve the dignity to stay home and rest if they have a severe virus like this. Like people should be able to stay home and just 
sit in front of their TV until the, until they stop feeling sick anymore and like give their body the time to rest. Yeah. It's just absurd. The only reason that they did it is to serve daddy capitalism and yeah. to keep the, you know, cogs in the wheels turning. Yeah. And apparently I was reading about today, there's two cases in the Supreme Court about the new, um, like, COVID guidelines from OSHA and CMS. And I guess CMS is, like, they're the people that do, like, Medicaid and Medicare uh, funding. And both of them were basically, like, if you are a healthcare worker, you have to be vaccinated or have, like, a negative test to come to work. And the OSHA one was, like, a new regulation that the Biden administration was, like, if you are an employer of, like, 100-plus employees, you have to keep, like, a, a d- database of, like, vaccination records and make, like, the policies that you're putting into place, like, uh, public um, and, like, just have all these, like, kind of safeguards. And apparently oral arguments for those two things happened and justices were kind of, like, on board more with, like, the CMS, um, like, the health workers kind of having that thing but like really not like not vibing with like the osha one which is kind of like insane (laughs) to me like just like truly unhinged behavior Mm -hmm. and they were saying today i like went to this talk today and they were saying how like um an airline i think it was united um since they implemented like a vaccination requirement um that in the last year they were like averaging about like one worker a week dying from COVID. And since they implemented the vaccination requirement and like paid leave, if you were like, were sick, I think were the two things um, that has gone down to zero. <laughs> like, also, obviously I'm pretty sure United's like one of the only top um, airlines that isn't unionized. So that just goes to show you like, <laughs> and something that, you know, I want to underscore here is like, I've been hearing a lot of people saying things like everyone's going to get exposed. So you like, we Mm. just have to accept that. Or like, you know, uh, it's inevitable at this point. And like, we, we just herd immunity is the only way to like the end of this. And that's just, first of all, untrue. Um, second of all, extremely ableist because sure, maybe like the average vaccinated person is going to have like a lesser difficult time when if they're vaccinated, it'll be more like flu like symptoms or cold like symptoms. But people who are immunocompromised or who do have comorbidities or do have like pre-existing health issues, they're looking at potential severe illness or death. And, you know, not even considering, like, all of the medical debt that they'll go in. It's just, it's extremely problematic to have that perspective. And then on top of it, it's a huge race issue. Mm -hmm. And, of course, race and class go together. I'm, like, looking at data right now where it says, um, as of October 2021, the Centers for the CDC released their report that of over 34.5 million cases since the virus began... Um, and race was known for like 64% of all of the cases. Um, the like percentage of like Latino people and black people who've gotten the virus and then died from it is like significantly higher than their population within the United States. So like black people represent, uh, 12% of our, of the United States population and 14% have died from, from COVID. Meanwhile, and then Hispanic people represent, I think it says like 17% of the population and 20% have died. And then white people, of course, represent 60% of the population and only 51% have died. So it's like, there you go in your face. Like this is an active choice by our healthcare system to, to deliberately enforce policies that cause people of color to die. And this kind of brings me to what my white flop of the week that I was going to have. Should I do it now, I guess? Or should I wait? Yeah, Yeah, we could do the white flop of the week now. Okay. So my white flop of the week is a statement by um, this girly Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who's the director of the CDC. I don't know how she got that job, because she's clearly, like, very unqualified. Um, And... She basically said in an interview 
um, that she was saying that it was really encouraging that the Omicron variant is predominantly killing Americans who have other health problems. Like, <laughs> what are you saying, ma'am? Like, and I think she's gone back and, like, I, I saw some articles about her being like, no, I didn't mean that. And, like, now I have, like, a um, like a social media manager. Like, I have a comms person now. Like, I'm really sorry. Um, but it's, like, very, it very much, like, smells like eugenics. Yes. And especially when you consider that, like, comorbidities or, like, pre-existing health issues, which is what comorbidities are, are caused by social inequities. Exactly. Like, black people or people of color are more likely to live in regions that have bad air and cause asthma symptoms in people or cause people to develop asthma. They're more likely to live in food deserts where they don't have access to just like healthy vegetables and things like that. It's like they're more likely to live in regions without access to like just a general healthcare provider or even access to healthcare. And then they're also more likely to work in like low wage jobs and like frontline positions, like working in like areas where they have high exposure to people. It's just, you know, the hypertension rates in the black community are severely hot, like significantly higher and it can be traced back to just social generational trauma, generational trauma and like social inequities. And it's just bullshit that like she would even say that. And also like regardless of like all those things, which are very true, like regardless of all that, like people who have, you know, these like, these conditions or are chronically ill or are disabled are also like valuable people <laughs> that should not be dying. Like mm-hmm. it's just like, regardless of like uh, of all these things that are true, that make it a race and class thing. Like, of course, like it's also like, it's not encouraging that people are dying, that people like mostly like disabled people or people with chronic conditions are dying. That's like not encouraging. Literally. That's very discouraging. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. That was extremely white floppish behavior and just completely representative of like, I mean, this pandemic has truly just like exasperated all of the social inequities in our society. And I want to read a quote from Dr. Robin D.G. Kelly from 2020. Dr. Robin D.G. Kelly is like an incredible legal theorist, social theorist on race and capitalism. And he said, This pandemic is a portal that exposed the structure of racial capitalism. COVID-19 exposes the fact that it's a lot of poor people dying, exposed, not protected, that the healthcare industry and the industry assigned to care for the aging have utterly failed for lack of resources and forms of structural racism, that the same kinds of inequalities and limits that have made black and brown people not just poor, but unhealthier, having lack of access to healthcare, All of that became clearly exposed through the COVID-19 pandemic. The question is, what are we going to do in this portal? Do we have the political will to recognize the fact that all these conditions are inseparable and have to be destroyed and be built all over again in order to create a humane society that cares about human beings and life itself over wealth accumulation and property? Well, uh, the Biden administration said Nope. <laughs> Wait, do the thing. The Biden administration said, no, we don't care. And actually, we're making it a five days quarantine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's all and, trash. And I think maybe this brings us back to the original point of this segment, which was your newfound... Um, Preparedness. Yes. So um, I have become a um, prepper, an end of the world prepper. I support this. As of last week, I watched this new show called Station Eleven that's on HBO. And um, it's extremely disturbing. And I only watched two episodes. And when I tell you my heart rate and blood pressure must have been like, through the roof when I was watching it because I literally started like running around my house freaking out. I like my partner was like resting. Is it like sci-fi? Kind of, yeah. Know, yeah. So it's the the description is survivors of a devastating flu attempt to rebuild and reimagine the world anew while holding on to the best of what's been lost. 
And it basically just shows like the way like society and civilization just completely fell apart, like basically overnight when this like flu like virus just took over the entire world. And I feel like that's a little on the nose. It was very on the nose. And I want to watch it. It made me realize how unprepared I am. Like, if shit hits the fan, I mean, I was thinking, like, how many more scares can we have? You know, like, we had January 6th where we were all like, everyone who was living in DC last year was like, scared. Okay, are we about to get blown up by a bomb? (laughs) Like, should we run? Like, what do we do? And like, I'm just like thinking about all of the things that we've been through in the last two years alone and like, we really should have a plan in place. Right. I like. Have you seen? Sorry to cut you off. No. But have you seen uh, "Don't Look Up" on Netflix? Yes. <laughs> it was so funny because that's like literally exactly what would happen. Mm-hmm. Like, if scientists are like, there's like truly like a, what is that a comment? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's a commentary on like what's happening right now with like climate change, like yeah. the impending doom of yeah. climate change. It's like this is like truly happening, and then there were. The response is political. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. We just have to do the science, follow the the math, and just go ahead and prepare for that. And we could save the world, for example. Shout out to Adam McKay and David Sirota, who wrote the film. Mm -hmm. Um, And David Sirota has also, like, worked for the Bernie campaign. So that goes to show you. Also, the Ariana... Grande song on it is really good. It's so it's good. Song. And I was listening to it. It just came up like on my like Spotify thing. And so Steven, my partner, like hadn't seen the movie, but he was just like, this song is so fun because he doesn't really listen to lyrics. So I was like, what do you mean? It's literally, literally I forget like, what the lyrics are, but it's like, she's literally like, what does she say? It's like, <laughs> it was like, um, is get your head out of your ass. Listen to the goddamn qualified scientists. Yeah. We really fucked it up. Fucked it up this time. It's so close. I can feel the heat big time. It's like so funny and so really true good. and exactly how. It's a good song. It is a good song. And it's just, she played a really good role. Yeah, she really did. The film was great. I love, I love, honestly, I love her. I know she's problematic. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Um,. So, yeah, I've become a prepper. I, like, wanted to get one of those, like, Judy bags. Judy bag. It's, like, this bag that basically has, like, everything you need if you have to, like, run, like, immediately, like, no matter what. I always worry about that because my zoo, how would I get these idiots to, into anything? (laughs) I don't know. Michael (laughs) would be, like, on top of your head, like, trying to play. (laughs) As I hold one of your cats. Yeah. Yeah, it would be chaos um, for you. And I actually only have one cat carrier right now because um, Bunny shit on the other one, so I threw it away. Yeah. So, and so I would have to, what, stuff them both in there? I was, like, thinking, like, I need to be ready to just bolt. Yeah. In the, and I don't have a car. So I was like, should we run to our friend's house who have a car and just, like, try to... Yeah, you can come to my car. Yeah. Like... But then where do we go after that? Are we going to drive to Florida? Maryland. Okay. Go to Steve's place. Yeah, we need like we need a plan. We, we need can go to a my, plan. We can go to Florida. We can go to my mom's house. Well, I have to go to my mom's house. That's no. see, that's the thing. We can go to my mom's house. And then it's like, do I go into the tri-state area? Like it's scary. No, I think we should all go to Florida. That seems like safe. Florida people are going to have guns out, shooting at the Do you sky. Think Florida people watch the news? No. Okay, then. They're going to be blissfully unaware at the beach. Yeah, we could go into the store and, like, get all of the prepper materials we need, and they won't even And they know. won't even be out. No, I literally, like, when I was in that week that we were there, I was so thankful that people in Florida don't really care about COVID because there were so many test kits Damn. that I could just purchase. That's dark. And um, Steven was like, oh, we should stock up. I'm like, no, that's crazy. And then we come back here and it's like, yeah, you should have. Um, yeah. What other kind of preparation? I, I kind of feel like I would do really well in like an end of time situation. I, I feel think like I so would thrive. too. I think I would, I think I would just become very vicious yeah. and wild and I'd be like, nope, we're leaving the person behind. Sorry, you have yeah. a bum leg, but we can't deal with you. Can't do it. Or, like, in those zombie movies. I'd, like, be very quick to, like, kill people off. Like, you know. (laughs) 
talk about mental health or what's helping us this week or what we're feeling, I just want to take a moment to recognize um, the passing of, (laughs) this is supposed to be a morbid conversation, (laughs) the passing of Joan Didion, who for me is a really important person um, to me, particularly in in regard to my mental health. There was a time in my life where I was just in a really dark place in my early 20s, and I just didn't know how to navigate life. I felt like things were just really hard, and I really struggled with liking myself and loving myself. And Joan Didion's work, um, the way that she's able to kind of just describe a feeling that everybody recognizes but doesn't always have the words to say, Um, just really made me feel like I had a connection to someone else or I was seen or heard by this person. Um, And also the way she didn't try to just make everything sound beautiful and perfect all the time. Um, She just got to the point of what she wanted to say. And I think that that and the true, like, honestly, sometimes darkness of life. And I I found that to be like a really refreshing and cathartic experience. view to hear from such like a beloved writer. So she passed away over the holidays. Um, and in honor of her, I just want to read, uh, from my favorite writing of hers, which is on self-respect. She wrote this, um, in 1961, uh, in for Vogue when she was a writer for Vogue. And it ended up being that someone at the last minute dropped out and wasn't able to, um, fulfill like whatever was needed for that edition. And she was able to write it on the spot. And I just think it really just gives such like a clarion view of who she was as a person. And this understanding of self-respect just really helped me when I was younger and struggling to understand myself. So she said, um, there's a common superstition that self-respect is a kind of charm against snakes something that keeps those who have it locked in some unblighted Eden, out of strange beds, ambivalent conversations, and trouble in general. It does not at all. It has nothing to do with the face of things, but concerns instead a separate piece of private reconciliation. And I think like that for me was like to hear like to you can love yourself even with all of your flaws, even with your mistakes or things that were quote unquote sloppy or unacceptable by society and like still find like that inner peace with yourself to love yourself. That helped me love myself, I guess. Um, And then she also says um, people with self-respect exhibit a certain toughness, a kind of moral nerve. They display what was once called character, a quality, which although approved in the abstract sometimes loses ground to other more instantly negotiable virtues. The measure of its slipping prestige is the is that one tends to think of it only in connection with homely children and with uni- United States senators who have been defeated. Nonetheless, character, the willingness to accept responsibility for one's own life, is the source from which self-respect springs. So whenever I'm feeling down, I like to turn back to this um, this essay and you know just remind myself of these important values and then just one final piece from this article or this essay is something I feel a lot when I'm worried about like not having answered back someone's text messages or an email or something and like almost turning in on myself and like feeling trapped in my own life or in my own home when it's like just absolutely ridiculous. Like we don't owe anyone else our time. And she, it was 1961. So they didn't have email at the time, but she calls it like letters. 
or phone calls. And she says it is this phenomenon called sometimes called alienation from self. In its advanced stages, we no longer answer the telephone because someone might want something. That we could say no without drowning in self-reproach is an idea that's alien to this game. Every encounter demands too much, tears at the nerves, drains the will, and the specter of something as small as an unanswered letter arouses such disproportionate guilt that one's sanity becomes an object of speculation among one's acquaintances. To assign unanswered letters their proper weight, to free us from the expectations of others, to give us back to ourselves, there lies the great and the singular power of self-respect. Without it, one eventually discovers the final turn of the screw. One runs away to find oneself and finds there's no one at home. So just wanted to say RIP Joan Didion. Thank you for all your contributions to us depressed girls out here. <laughs> depressed girlies. Anything <laughs> you want to share? No, I think that that was really beautiful. And it, it was making me think a lot about, I think, coming back to work this time around has been, like, really, really difficult after this break and after, like, you know, entering year three of this fucking, like, pandemic and entering year, like, 50 of, like, fighting for abortion rights or whatever and, like, or, like, year 1,000, like, for some communities, like... Um, yeah, I think it's been really difficult and I've noticed myself sort of slipping and like not turning in like excellent work and like not responding to people and like not wanting to engage or be social or kind of like dragging my feet and like just remembering to like have a little bit more self-compassion and like that some tasks and things might take longer now or might just like not be possible because of, um, where we're at in the movement and like you know, it's like a lot right now. I think it's like finally getting to me and it's okay to have an off pandemic yeah. <laughs> off couple of years. That's, that's okay. You're being fully drained in every direction and it's totally understandable to feel that way. Yeah. So on that note, thank you all for listening. We love you. Go into this week ahead with love and give yourself grace find some peace um in your day-to-day and my zoo is going crazy yeah and read that essay on self-respect we'll link it okay thank you Bye. bye